Unless you're going somewhere colder, that's about as close to a white Christmas as you're going to get here uh, today. Well, we love Christmas. I love Christmas, and I love the anticipation. I love the excitement that comes, that leads up to that, that time when you get to open the presents. Kids here tonight, what are you excited about for Christmas? Opening presents, right? Opening presents. Now, as a kid, one thing that I loved about our family and our tradition is that we didn't have to wait like all the American kids to open their presents. We followed the German tradition, and we opened our presents on Christmas Eve. Anyone with me on that? So that was awesome. Christmas Eve. Now, my wife is trying to convert me, and we are doing the Christmas morning thing. But what was so fun was we would always go to church on uh, Christmas Eve, and we'd get together, and as kids, we'd always have to say, uh, recite some kind of poem in front of the church, and, and so that was always kind of a little bit nerve-wracking. But then we'd go home, and then it was like, I knew it was almost Christmas present time, but first my mom had to make this fancy dinner, and it would just kill me, right? Like, ah, oh, I just want to get to the presents. My dad would start the fire, and the fireplace was crackling, and just wanted to get to those presents. And, and I remember one year, uh, and you know, you start opening the presents, and I was one of four kids, I had three sisters, and I still do, and... Uh, they survived, or I survived, I don't know, one or the other. And, and as kids often do, I don't know, if you have multiple kids in your family, I don't know if anyone else does this, but you kind of keep track of who gets what kind of presents, you know, like, and you're ranking them as far as, like, how good the different presents are. And then you just hope by the end of the evening, you either hope that you're, like, all even or that you come out ahead, right? And so I remember this one year, I'm kind of looking at my sister's presents and mine, and I think, I was like, I got some stuff, but I think I kind of got shafted. Like, I mean, mom and dad, like, come on, I'm like your only son. And, and I'm looking at their presents, and they got like some, some pretty cool stuff. And, and then I heard those, those amazing, magical words from my dad. It was like, oh, wait, I think there must be one more present somewhere. You know, like one of those things. And I was like, really? And you're just hoping that it's you, hoping it's me. And, and sure enough, he says, let me see. And he goes out, and he comes back from the garage, and he brings out this big box. And I open it up, and it's a 10-speed bicycle. Anyone remember a 10-speeds, right? 10-speed bike. I mean, I was flying high. I just remembered the excitement of having that, that, that gift and the excitement of opening that present. Now, what's kind of interesting, a couple of weeks ago, I was teaching here in church, and one of the things I was using as an illustration, I was talking about, have you ever wanted something so bad that you've just been always wanting for it and you never got it? And I shared that prior to this 10-speed, you know, bicycle experience, I always wanted a big wheel, you know, like a big wheel. Kids, any of you guys have a big wheel? I always wanted a big wheel, and I never got a big wheel. And I never told my parents this, but, you know, time went, and then I got past that age where I would get a big wheel. And, um, and so then this past Sunday, I'm getting ready to speak, and all of a sudden, you know, Joe kind of says some things, and a couple guys come bringing this huge box to me and say, hey, we have a little present for you from someone in the church. And, uh, and I open it up. And when you know what it was, right, if you weren't here on Sunday, I got a big wheel. I got a green machine. It was so awesome. I went home from church. My girls and I, we assembled it, and then I rode it through the neighborhood like a boss. I mean, it was awesome. I'm 43. You're never beyond getting gifts and getting toys for Christmas because it's just fun to have that. And so you're never too old to get a toy. But I do realize, though, that I am getting older because I think, like, I, I knew I officially hit that point because I can't think of something that I really want for Christmas. You know, when somebody asks me, what do you want for Christmas? I'm like, I, I don't need anything. I'm starting to sound like my parents where I'm going, like, I just want my family around. Or actually, I just want my family away so I can have some peace and quiet. Um, no, I didn't say that. Uh, 
you know, like last night a package came from Amazon, and my wife says, like, Where, did, did you order something for Christmas? I didn't order anything. I said, oh, yeah, that's just, the, uh, that's just a, a replacement battery for my cordless drill. And she goes, oh, you got one? That's what I was going to, I was going to get you one of those for Christmas. That could just count as your Christmas present. I'm like, a cordless drill doesn't, I mean, a battery does not count, you know, a replacement battery as a Christmas present. You know you're officially old, and uh, when Christmas is like, you know, replacing an iron or something and, and, and doing that. But you come to realize that the things that make Christmas valuable and special when you're an adult aren't things at all, is it? And, and what I love stepping back in the season, and when we get to this point in the season, we begin to kind of push away the frenzy, the craziness of the season, and we start honing in on the things that are really important. And especially as adults, I think we begin to value much more the family that's around us, the friends that are around us, the relationships where we come together. And during the season, we focus in on, on generosity. We focus in on the less fortunate. We look for ways that we can bless others and bring cheer all around us. And it brings out really the good in who we are, I believe, as a people and want to celebrate those things that are really important. And then we take time like this. We're in the midst of the rush, and I'm sure today wasn't, for most of us, probably just a chill, relaxed day. I mean, most of us are probably just skating in here, right? I mean, you got everything done. You're trying to just get in here. But what I love is when we talk about a gathering place like this, a sanctuary, a sanctuary being a safe place, a place where we can calm, where we can focus our attention, and we focus on the essence of Christmas. We focus on Jesus. We focus on the manger and what happened there on that day. And so in these moments that we have together, just some time that I just want to share with you a little bit is I want us to focus on what happened on that day. What really took place so many years ago, because it's so easy for us just to get in the routine of Christmas and to kind of go, oh yeah, 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 you know, Mary, Joseph, baby Jesus, shepherds, angels, star, got it, Bethlehem, no room, bam, bam, like we've heard the story, let's get to the presents. Or, you know, let's get to our family celebrations. But when we step back, and we've been doing this over the last several weeks here on Sundays as a church, what really took place? What really happened on that moment? We have this manger, which has become, in many ways, one of the key symbols of the Christmas season. And all it really is is just a, a feeding trough for animals. And yet it bears some significance because in this very moment, in this representative manger here, the world changed. What took place in that moment changed all of history. I mean, it changed the way we mark time. It changed all of history, the way we view the world. It was when Jesus Christ was born. And, and when you look at the Bible and you think about the story, and we, we read about that story as the New Testament begins. But prior to that New Testament beginning, there were 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. A time where people were longing to hear from God. What would happen? Would the Savior come? Who would he be? What would he look like? What would he do? And it was in that moment, after all that longing and that darkness, as we heard earlier, earlier tonight, God began to speak. The silence was broken. Light pierced the darkness. The invisible became visible. What was untouchable became touchable. What was eternal and what was out there became intimately personal. And when heaven and earth collide, when heaven and earth come together as they did in that moment, everything changes. And now we may see that as some kind of historical event, but I am convinced, and what I want you to so understand tonight, is that when heaven and earth collide in you, God still wants to do something. He still wants to spark something in your life. He wants to bring transformation into your life. 
Now, I don't know all of you, and I don't know those even that I do know. I don't know you intimately and personally, except for a few. I don't know if, uh, if you're here tonight to celebrate your risen Savior. You're here to celebrate that Christ was come, and you just, your heart is just bursting full because Christmas means your Lord and Savior came. But I also know that there's some of you here today that, that this might be your first time in church. Or this might be your first time here, or maybe somebody drug you to church because that was part of the deal. Like, we're going to have a Christmas celebration afterward, and so you got to come with me to church. And so you're here, and maybe you're here reluctantly. Or maybe you're here searching. Or maybe you're a little bit uh, feeling a little bit awkward. You're in a church, and you're hoping lightning doesn't strike. You know, and going, I don't know, I made it to church. But I know this, that when we allow the eternal heaven and earth to come together in us, God wants to bring transformation. And so as I was reflecting on this story, the Christmas story, the familiar story, and going, what? God, show me something here. I began to reflect on what took place. And this manger, again, began to symbolize something from me, for me. We read the story, and maybe you're familiar, where it says, you know, and there was Mary, and, she, and the baby was born, and she wrapped him in strips of cloth, and she laid him in a manger. And then later, the shepherds are out on the field. The stars open up, the sky breaks forth. And the angel says to them, and this will be a sign to you. This is how you're going to know who the Savior is. It's going to be a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and laying in a manger. There it is again. And then later the shepherds go, and then they arrive in Bethlehem. It says, and there they saw the baby wrapped in strips of cloth laying in a manger. There's something about this manger. And there's something not only about the manger, but what took place in that manger was a newborn child. And he says, this will be a sign to you, which is a symbol, essentially. What does this symbolize? What does the baby Jesus born here symbolize? Well, have you held a newborn lately? <laughs> have you looked into the eyes of a newborn lately? My, my oldest daughter, 10-year-old, Miana, she, brought, she was looking through a photo album. You remember those things, photo albums? Um, like physical pictures. And she was looking through pictures of when she was born. And I remember I had this, this new camera and I was taking all these pictures, and I took one picture where her eye is like 75% of the picture, because I was just fascinated by her eyes. And she said, why did you do that? And I said, there was something about looking into the eyes of a newborn. And when you see new life, and you look at a newborn, you think, there's new life here. There's so much op opportunity, so much possibility, so much hope, a whole future that lies before. And I think that's what Christmas is beginning to symbolize. And now we have on our staff a couple of uh, couples that are expecting their, 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 one a first child, one a second. And it's just been interesting to watch as this baby is growing and developing and, and to watch them talk about what's to come and this baby that's coming. And remember the, the commercial, I don't know, some company said, having a baby changes everything. Those of you who have kids, you know that, right? Having a baby changes everything because all of a sudden life is completely different. It changes your relationship, it changes your time, changes everything. How much more when the baby Jesus was born, when the Son of God came to earth and was born, it changed everything. And so we read, when we open up the pages of the New Testament, we start reading the story of that first Christmas, there are two miracles that stand out to me. And it makes me wonder, God, why did you pick these two miracles? We think about the angel coming to Mary. The angel comes to Mary and says, Mary, I've got some, don't be afraid, Mary, first of all, it's just me, I'm an angel, but I've got some good news for you. You're going to give birth to a son, the son of God. His name will be Jesus, and he will save his people. But then Mary kind of says, whoa, 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 time out, God. Um, there's one major problem with this thing. 
I'm a virgin. How can I have a baby? Mary says, I, I'm, I'm engaged to Joseph. We're not even married. I haven't had any relationships with him. I don't have any, I don't have any uh, kids to speak of. This is impossible. It can't happen. And then, and then in, we read in, in Scripture how the, uh, the angel responds to her. And he says to her, he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby born to you will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. He's saying, look, the Holy Spirit's going to do this work in you and it will change. But then he goes on, he says, what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren but she's already in her sixth month. Now, see, we never talk about or rarely talk about Elizabeth. She's like, Elizabeth? Did I miss something in the Christmas story? They never write about Elizabeth. But really, the New Testament begins with Elizabeth. Her and her husband, Zechariah, were older. They were more advanced in years. They were never able to have kids. And it says that she was barren. And God, the first thing that he promised to her and her husband was, you're going to have a child. And then he comes to Mary and says, you're going to have a child. Elizabeth's child was John the Baptist, who was prepared the way for Jesus. And Mary had Jesus. Now, what's so significant about those two things? Both of them are impossible. When Elizabeth heard what God wanted to do, she said, it's impossible. We're old, and Zechariah said, we're old, we can't have children. Mary said, it's impossible. We can't have children. I'm not ready. I'm too young. I haven't had those experiences. It's not possible. But then in verse 37. Then in verse 37, it says this, for nothing is impossible with God. That's what the angel told her. For nothing is impossible with God. And I wonder if some of us sitting here tonight, if we're kind of like Elizabeth, when we think about our spiritual lives, when we think about where we are, we might think we're beyond the point where God can do anything in my life. If you know the life I've lived, if you know I've tried, my soul is empty. My soul is barren. I've got nothing there. It, there's no way God's going to do something in my life. I'm beyond that point. But maybe some of us are more like Mary, where we say, you know what? I'm too young. I'm not ready. This is impossible. I still have questions. I still have so many things to figure out. I still have my life before me. It's not the way that I roll, whatever it is. And the message of Christmas comes that God still wants to birth something in our spirit whether we think we're too young, whether we think we're too old, or we think we're somewhere in between, we're not ready, God's, God's Spirit comes and says, look, nothing is impossible with God. And he's not talking about a physical birth. He's talking about a spiritual birth. Jesus himself said, look, it's not, you know, we're all, we all must be born physically, but what I want to do is I want to birth something in your spirit. You don't have to leave tonight and just go through the rhythms of Christmas and think it's only about family and gifts and presents. Those are great, great things. I look forward to those. But what would be an even greater gift is for you to open up your heart to receive the seed of God's Spirit. That that seed would get planted in your spirit. And maybe you don't have to have it all figured out. Mary didn't know how it was all going to happen. Elizabeth didn't know all that God would do. But they simply said, here I am. I receive that from you, God. And he wants to give us that gift. One of the most famous verses in all of Scripture is a great Christmas Scripture. For God so loved the world, John 3.16. He loved the world so much that he gave us a gift, his son. That whoever believes in him will not perish, will not die, but will have eternal life, a spiritual life that is already alive in our heart and in our soul. And that is the most precious 
the most life-changing gift that we can ever receive. When heaven and earth collide, not just 2,000 years ago, not just a great story that we read about or, or, or set up a little nativity scene, but when that becomes reality in us and God births something new, imagine what can happen in this new year. Christmas comes at the end of a year, and it's always an opportunity for us to turn the page and to prepare ourselves for what God has next for us. And maybe tonight, God plants the seed in your soul that begins to birth something new. And in 2016, God will continue to grow you, to develop you, and to birth something fresh in your spirit. You know, my, my wife and I, the other, the other night, I just uh, came home, and it's the holiday season. Things are crazy, right? I mean, there's church stuff going on. There's school programs that are happening. There's, you know, final projects to get done. There's, you know, year-end stuff at the church and budgets and all kinds of craziness and busyness. You come home, and the kids were, you know, were, were sick, and then my wife and I were sick, and I remember just stopping to look at her and saying, you know what, I don't think we're going to make it to 2016. We're not. I, I, how are we, we're not going to make it to 2016. And I think sometimes we drag into the end of this year and we just skate into Christmas. But I think at that moment, God meets us and says, I want to do something new in you. And comes back to this manger. It's just ordinary wood, hay. Just something that was probably in any stable and any kind of farm, wherever it is. And yet God took this and he repurposed it. And what was there just to feed animals became this cradle for a king. It became the crucible where life was changed. And he transformed this ordinary thing to something we put on a stage thousands of years later to represent what God wants to do. And I think this represents our receptivity to what God wants to do in us. That he wants to repurpose us. He wants to transform us. He wants to birth something new in us. And that will be the greatest gift that we could ever receive during this Christmas time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this marvelous story. But God, not just a story, something that actually happened. That you would step out of heaven, out of all eternity, and not force your way into this world, but come as a baby, symbolizing that newness of life and a new beginning and a fresh start. And God, how we all need that. Father, for those here tonight that, that maybe feel like it's too late for them and others that feel like, God, they're not ready or it's too soon or what could you ever do in their lives, God, remind us today that you have a plan, you have a purpose, and God, that you want to birth something new in our spirit tonight. And we celebrate that you came and have transformed and changed everything. We love you, Lord. We surrender ourselves to you and we celebrate you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.